Hi everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host today of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Today, I'd like to welcome our guest speaker, C. Simone Rivers. C. Simone is a friend of mine through Women's Prosperity Network. She's an incredible woman, and I've got to tell you, I've spent the last hour and a half watching her YouTube videos, and I've learned so much about this incredible woman. Simone, are you there? I am. Hello, 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 everyone. It's your girl, C. Simone Rivers, the Yum Yum Ambassador. I have come to influence the flavor of the room that I am in. I trigger light, and I offer hugs, healing, understanding, guidance, and growth with me, Simone. And you guys, you got to go on YouTube and watch her do that because I can see her just wrapping her arms around herself and giving her a great big hug. It was so sweet. And Ramon, I, uh, Simone, I want to talk to you right, real quick. It's like you own Triggering Light, which is a personal development service company on a mission to empower, educate, and emancipate women to experience a life they desire and deserve. Simone is a successful TEDx speaker, an international best-selling author, personal growth strategist, and she's at the helm of Triggering Light, which is a hub for personal growth and development. And I just, I, I'm sure we've met in person. I, but with this pandemic and stuff, I don't remember who I've met in person or not. But I just feel like, you know, I've, I've been there with you. And I just, I, this morning, I was just giving you hugs back. It was so, so fun. So welcome to Stand Up and Speak Up. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, you're coming to us from Virginia. Right, right? Northern Virginia. We call it the DMV. (laughs) Which is what now? Because when I lived up there, we didn't call it that. Well, Northern Virginia is um, probably 35, 40 minutes away from D.C., and the DMV is considered D.C., Maryland, and Virginia because nobody really lives in D.C. They all work in D.C. and live in Maryland and Virginia. That's right. And uh, I'd, I'd have to be paid a lot of money to move back to that area of the world because the traffic <laughs> is outrageous. Just outrageous. So but welcome. And I'm down in South Florida, and we've got gals here from Texas. Good luck during the hurricanes right now, my friends. Um, we have friends down here in Fort Lauderdale, up in New York. It, this is exciting. So I'm so glad to have you here. Now, Simone. Thank you. I always talk to my friends here on Stand Up and Speak Up because we are, I don't want to call anybody ordinary, but we are just like our girlfriends. And we've all been through things in our life that can set us back or can set us free. And I love how you give us prescriptions for a better life, but I I want you just to explain to people, you know, where are you, where are you coming from? Who are you, basically? And I want you to say, tell me one thing that might have happened, or I know we have lots of stories, but what has happened to make you, you? And how can oh, wow. we get out of jail free? I love that one, get out of jail free. So time is yours, well, my friend. There are a lot of things that make me me, as that is true for everyone else. You might find it interesting that I am originally from Florida. I grew up right near Mickey, (laughs) and um, I left at 16, and I um, came back intermittently, but um, Florida is home. Um, The greatest thing that happened to me, I think, is self-awareness, understanding that I am responsible for how I appear in the world, that um, my healing is my responsibility. And that's been a lifelong journey, I think, but I finally got it with my divorce. I finally understood it. 
And um, quite a few things have happened in the process. Now, um, the, di- the divorce was fairly recent. Is that what I understand? Well, yes. The, the marriage years? ended uh, in 2017. The, the final paperwork was last year. Yeah. And you were married for quite a while. Almost 20 years. 20 years. Almost 20 years. Long time. I grew up in my marriage. Don't we all? <laughs> so marriage is a learning experience. Absolutely. What, what did you learn about yourself through that time frame? You know, I, I discovered quite a bit about myself from looking at myself through the lens of my husband, is what I like to call him. Um, one, that I'm, I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough and I am enough. Oftentimes people will talk about needing confidence, but I think confidence is an external support. You know, it says I can do this. But what we really are looking for is self-esteem. And mine was really, really low, which allowed me to believe almost anything I heard And uh, in my marriage, I heard a lot of things that were very negative, and I took them on as a part of my story. And I believed it all, and I kept trying to be better. Maybe if I do this, he'll treat me different. Maybe if I'll do that, he'll treat me different. And it never happened. And to be honest, I would still be in that situation now if he hadn't left me because I didn't leave him. I didn't have the courage to leave him. But God gave him the wisdom to leave me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'll tell you a story that will make it make a little sense. The the last thing I heard was um, him saying to me, I'm going to smash your ass into the ground. Mm. And he did. He did it physically, which wasn't new to me. Um, He did it emotionally. And the worst part for me was he did it financially. And I remember lying on the ground and him coming back and kicked me and said, don't get up. Well, I couldn't get up. I was hurt. But I remember hearing this voice. And it, it's difficult sometimes for me to explain because it was my voice. But it was the me I needed to be in that moment talking to the me I was on the ground. It was an elevated me. And I said to myself, baby girl, don't get up. But I want you to know you haven't been smashed. You've been planted. Let your tears water the soil, and we're going to grow a new thing. And that kept me in that space. And I think the next conversation I had was, I'm not scared and you're not going to hurt me anymore. I'm stunned. And the reason is I'm sitting here thinking, because I've heard you talk about putting on that mask and hiding. And I I talk about this a lot too. And in your background, you and your husband had a a ministry over, I know you did it over in Europe. But did you put on the mask all those years and hide? Absolutely. I, I I come from a space where it's important that people see you a certain way. You know, you go to church, you wear the dress, you you put on your church hat, you put on your church smile, you even praise God in a certain way. And and I remember wanting to be like everybody else, and, and I never was. But what I learned is that I was trying to be authentic. That's why I didn't fit. So I tried to raise my hands a certain way and shout a certain way and sing a certain way. And and I just, I never fit in any instance in my life. My marriage was just another um, example of that. And the masks that I wore, you know, I put them on periodically. One of the things I would tell people is I had no idea who I was for for nearly 20 years because I never heard my name. Mm -hmm. Whenever I was introduced, I was, this is my wife or mommy, and, you know, my kids are all grown now. My youngest son is 17, and I'm not married anymore. 
And I had no idea who I was. So when I would hear Simone, I thought, who is that? I, I, I needed to re-identify her. And in the process of figuring out who she was, I just started peeling away things that I was not. So I, I absolutely discovered what I was not. And something you said when we came on the air, you said everything that happens helps us grow, mm-hmm. and we can't, we can't see it, but if we give ourselves a new perspective, perhaps we will. I, I see myself, or I saw myself as a seed. And, you know, a seed has to be planted, and it's in the dark, and it's alone, and, and, you know, maybe it thinks it's buried and it's dead, it's buried alive. That's kind of how I felt. I felt suffocated for most of my marriage. And when, when he knocked me down that last time, I felt like I got cracked open so my light could shine through. And people would come to me all the time and say, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I helped so many people, and they were completely unaware that I needed help. Well, you're the giver, and it, I've heard you say, and I've felt this myself, it's, it's sometimes difficult to be the receiver. Yes, but I still, we, I still work hard at that. But we hold other people back if we don't receive because they can't be givers. <laughs> that is um. That is the example I offer myself all the time because giving makes me feel good, mm-hmm. and I want other people to feel the same. So it, it, is, it is difficult, though. I have to admit that. It is very difficult. Something else you said earlier was um, you don't like to call people ordinary. Um, my nickname in Germany was extra <laughs> because I always went, I, I, I always did things above and beyond what people expected. I was I was the woman that would wear high heel shoes to the football game. I was always made up. My house was always immaculate. You know, I love to entertain because for some reason my my husband was really really nice to me when people were around. Like I loved feeling like June Cleaver when people were around. So I mm. I entertained quite a bit. But my my friends called me extra, and they absolutely did not mean that as a compliment. It was like, oh, my God, sit down. You're so extra. And um, I would come back to myself and think, well, I like doing more than people expect me to do. I like being that person. And one day I heard um, extraordinary, and I thought, I, I actually wrote the word down, and I said, I am extra. I own it. Because the only difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra you choose to do every day. So, welcome to my world. <laughs> well, I, I'm sitting here feeling like, you know, we're obviously sisters by other misters because I lived, <laughs> I lived that same life in so many ways. And when, when my husband passed away, one of his best friends came to me and said, okay, so who are you now? And just like you, I'm sitting there going, well, I'm the kid's mom, I'm so-and-so's daughter, I was Lou's wife, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know who I am, and it's still a process of who are we, and you don't want to be defined by your past, but the past certainly helps you to move forward with purpose, and I love one time I heard you talking about finding your purpose and your potential, and this could spin all over the place, but um, the purpose of the seed is to become a flower, and I love, what do you say about flowers? What do we need for flowers, and we're blossoms? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely every flower needs a little fertilizer. And um, what exactly is fertilizer but dung? It's, it's the shit we have to go through. And it makes us better. And I, I say all the time that nothing in my life has happened to me. It actually happened for me, and I'm better for it. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything. And I speak now from a scarred place. And um, what I find when I, when I go out into the world and I talk to other women, I'll be on stage and, and they will come and listen and they're attentive. And when, they, when I leave and we're in a corner, they're crying their eyes out and they're talking to me. You told me, you told my story. And I'm smiling and I'm going, oh, I get it. It took me a while. Why, why won't people talk to me publicly? Why do they want to talk privately? Because I'm very open about my life, but that is because I've healed from that space. 
and I'm speaking from scars. I wear my scars like jewelry. But when people are speaking from a scabbed place where they're trying to heal, sometimes something can rub them the wrong way and they're bleeding again. So they, they, they hide a little bit more. They hide a little bit more. I heard a story. It was a gentleman who was um, actually he was the youngest um, Medal of Honor winner. And he talks about scars in his book. And, and I love it because I work with an organization. I'm on the board of directors of an organization called SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. But the difference between a scar and a wound is that a scar has healed. And the wound mm-hmm. is like, you know, it can be rubbed off. It can be that scab that can something, the littlest thing, the something that somebody can say that might make you feel bad um, or shame you opens right. up that wound. And talk a little bit about shame and, and how you got over, you know, you were the wife of a, of a well-known guy, you know, a respected man. And when you talked about what happened, I'm sure people were shaming, shaming you. You know, they blame, shame blame, I think is what it's called. Um, how did you get past that and, and not worry about what people thought? Well, I can't say that... Um I can't say that I got past it. What I did was I let it pass me by. I just started to kind of ignore people because I I went to those same people who held me in such high esteem as the wife of this person. And um, what I got a lot of, and and it it saddened me to say, maybe, maybe I'm not fully healed in that space, was I lost a lot of friendships that I thought were real friendships because of my divorce. You know, there was, there was shame in divorce, and I think that's why I stayed married so long. There was shame in divorce. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't work hard enough. You, why, why is he treating you this way? What are you doing wrong? And I always felt that way, like I was doing something wrong. I didn't cook the chicken right that day, or I didn't season it properly, or maybe – I left some dust on the countertop. I was always trying to be better. And in my lifetime, I've probably gained and lost about 500 pounds over and over again. I was featured in Essence magazine in 2007 because I lost 130 pounds. Mm -hmm. And and I I remember losing all the weight, getting really healthy and um, running with the Marines, and everybody was so proud of me. And I would come home talking about, I'm going to be in Essence Magazine, and I was so excited about it. And I would hear, nobody cares. That's not the end of the world. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I thought, wow, I thought I did something really good. And what happened was I kept hearing that I wasn't good enough. No matter how hard I tried from my, from my church, I wasn't that Proverbs 31 woman. I wasn't virtuous because if I were, then I wouldn't have been abused, right? That was your fault. Um, then my, my oldest son became a teenager, and, you know, things happen when, when boys become teenagers. He wasn't that straight-laced, perfect kid anymore, and, of course, that was my fault. So I took on the, the, the shame of, of, of other people. It was, it was disgraceful. That's how I felt. I felt like I had been publicly disgraced. Absolutely. And um, the, the biggest example of that for me is I was, um, I was in my home with my children, and uh, my husband came home one day, and I, I, I understand his personality a lot more now because I've had some help psychologically, and he really was a malignant narcissist. And nobody could be above him. So I remember coming home one, he came home one day, and my children were watching television or something. And he just said, boys, did you know that your mom had an abortion? Mm. And I thought, what? Why, why would you do that? And it was because my children see me as an angel. And he didn't want them to see me that way. That, I remember that day because that was the beginning of the storytelling to make me a bad person so that everyone would be on his side. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that that happened in my church. And, you know, he was the, the breadwinner, so he was giving to different organizations. And, um, of course, it was my fault. So 
I carried that shame with me like a, you know, they, they talk about, uh, we talk about Jesus having a yoke that is easy. My yoke was not easy. It was heavy. I carried it around my neck like something was wrong with me. And it, and it showed up as weight. It showed up as um, attempt to end my life. It showed up as I'm just, I'm just not worthy of life. And I had to go through a lot of fertilizer in order to get to the blossoming part. Absolutely. And I thank Brene Brown for that. I read a lot mm-hmm. of her books to help mm-hmm. me get there. Yeah, she's got some great stuff about shame and blame and, and, and forgiveness and moving on. And, and you, can we focus a little bit on forgiveness? Because so many of us have done something that we feel has been really stupid uh, or other Absolutely. people have told us was really stupid. How have you, who did you forgive in that situation and, and who did you start forgiving? Actually, the, the, the first person I had to forgive in my process was myself. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, that was the hardest part because I had to accept complicity for, for my role. Because honestly, I was, um, I was putting Mederma makeup on bruises on my wedding day. So mm-hmm. I couldn't pretend that I didn't know who I was marrying. I just thought I could change him. I really did. I thought I could change him. And that was hard. That was the that was the worst part of my process because forgiving yourself means you have to accept responsibility for your own healing. You 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 can't imagine this. You're you're in your home and someone breaks into your house and they shoot you and you're lying on the ground and you're bleeding. Do you then yell, you know, the, the ambulance is, is, is coming. Let us help you. Let us help you. And you say, no, he shot me. He should be helping me. Now, the, the person that broke in your house, they, they've long gone. They're, they're not interested in you at all. I mean, my, my, my ex had moved another woman into my home while my son and I were homeless. He could care less about me, but I needed to heal. And I was so busy going, look what he did, look what he did. And the day that I looked at what I could do is when I changed, is when life for me changed. So that was first. And I do believe that um, I have a program I call The House That Love Built. And before you can start building any edifice, you have to lay a foundation. And forgiveness is the foundation. So first I forgave myself, and now I can truly say that I have forgiven him for everything because I recognize that he was a tool that God used to turn me into the person I am now. Mm-hmm. And that's very grown-up of you. That's a very grown-up thought um, because it's so easy to start saying, well, you know, that person hurt me and they're to blame. And we see it in, in scars is that, you know, we go after the person that scammed us or that took advantage of us. And I, I'll bring Dr. Tim on later on, but we always talk about too, first off is, okay, if I hadn't accepted that friend request on Facebook or, you know, at the dating site, I was the first one to do it. And then it went into, you know, a friendship, what we thought was a friendship. But we were the first. I was the first. And that's what you said. Take advantage or take responsibility for what you did first. Now, exactly. the person that hurts us, yeah, you know, it'll be on them at some point. But that's not up to us to judge it, I feel. Um, they'll get their due in the end is the way I look at it. You know, we all have to account and for that's what we've hard. done. It's very that's hard. hard. Because human nature says, get them. <laughs> I mean, I w- I'm no different than anybody else. Yeah, can't I, was, I was angry. I was really, really angry. Somebody make him pay for what he has done, for what he has done to me, for what he's done to my son. I, I mean, I, I felt I, I was angry, but I was deteriorating in my anger. And it was my son that actually saved my life. I, I remember one day I was um, at the bottom of the stairs. And he came home from school and found me there. And I didn't know how I got there. I had neglected myself so much that my, my, I was um, 
acutely anemic and um, needed transfusions and everything else. But I had to take care of myself, and I looked into my son's eyes, and I, I found a reason to try. I, I live because I want to now, but then I was living for him and only him. He saved my life. And um, I have an acronym that I, that I often use to help people through the forgiveness pro- process, and it's FOCUS. If you focus on forgiveness, you, you start with, with that fear of feeling, feeling like you're condoning what they're doing. But, but you have to understand that feelings aren't always facts. You have to understand that feelings are something that you process. And what I do is when in, in a space where I'm afraid, I invite fear to have coffee and pound cake with me so I can figure out why it's there. <laughs> and I was absolutely afraid of admitting that I had something to do with this, that it was not all his fault. And the, the O in focus is um, being willing to offend other people, the people in my church environment that were telling me what I should do, what I should feel. I no longer allow people to shit all over me. They are not living the life that I'm living. You should go to him. And we had been separated almost a year and a half. You know, I won't feel bad if you go to him and, and tell him that it's okay, that, that you're sorry. And I'm like, have you lost your mind? I'm free. I may be broke, but I am free. I'm never going back into that situation. So I I had to offend some people um, that I held in high regard. I had to say, you you don't get to tell me what to do anymore. And this is the truth, regardless of how you feel about it. And the C is for um, canceling out judgment, both of myself and of other people. You know, I I created these thoughts in my mind that – sister so-and-so is going to say this and um, brother so-and-so is going to say that. And that's how we identified each other in our church. Um, And I I just decided, I'll explain it this way. We talk about the pink elephant in the room and ask, why can't anybody see that elephant? Well, if there are 10 people in the room, everybody's going to have a different perspective of that elephant. And I'm the kind of person who walks around the parameter of the room so that I can see the elephant from everyone's perspective, and then I don't judge them. That, that's where they're coming from, and I accept it. So I had to cancel out judgment, and then I had to untie some threads that connected me to old habits, old behaviors, and, and some people. We, we talked about letting go of some relationships. I really had to untie some cords, and I have the superpower that I created in that process. <laughs> that I discovered in that process is that I have the ability to completely erase people in my memory, just erase them. And I am so proud of that because it's in the memories that we re- reopen wounds and we don't allow ourselves to heal. So I really did have to, to unti- untie some threads to people that had been in my life for a very, very long time. And finally, I asked for support. And no matter what the wound, you can have a, a paper cut and you need the support of Neosporin to heal. So we can't be afraid to ask for help. And that was my biggest issue in all those years. The mask was so heavy and I was carrying it. And if I could just put it down and let someone see my authentic self, the help came to me. And that between forgiving myself and asking for help, those were the two most difficult things. I love that. I love that focus and, and the, you know, how you talk about all those things because I think all of us go through that. Uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your picture with your beautiful big smile, and unless we've had this discussion, I would never have known that all this was behind you. And I think that's the point of what we're doing as sisters and brothers around the world is that as we talk to each other, we find out our stories and we find out how similar we are in our backgrounds mm-hmm. uh, and how we just we put up that smile. We hide behind the smile. We all become that woman behind the smile. Um, and we need to drop it so that we can truly be the women with smiles. And I like that. 
I love that. <laughs> well, my guest I last week that. was Lindy Eldritch, and Lindy and I are best of buds, and, and she has this hug pillow. And if anybody saw the show last week, I have a picture of the hug pillow. And I love when I saw some of the programs that you're doing. One of them is called Hugs. So can we move? We've had some, you know, little dark discussion here. Let's move on to hugs and how you use hugs and hugging um, as a healing point and as a, as a place to move forward in your life. Can you explain hugs to us? Absolutely. So um, hugs, well, I, I'm, first of all, I'm an extreme extrovert. <laughs> I am an extreme <laughs> extrovert. And I love people. I always have. I, 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 I say often that I move by the energy of thought. I just like having conversations with strangers. And I was the, the woman that would um, hug the cashier and say, can I give you a hug? And everyone would always accept them. <laughs> and um, hug became an acronym in, in, in this space for me where I was letting people in to support me. And I, I, I see it as healing, number one. That's the H. It's, it's understanding. I appreciate that you have experienced some of the things that I've experienced, and you can understand where I'm coming from instead of shunning me away because I'm not like you. Do you know what I mean? And um, guidance. And my guidance comes from a divine source. And I started to be guided towards certain people to get the things that I needed. And growth, we, we talked about that already, that um, we, we are not reservoirs. We're rivers, and we're constantly moving. Everything is constantly growing. So we have to be willing to do that. And, and the S, I often say um, healing, understanding, guidance, and growth with Simone, but Simone is is a conduit for support because you need support. And, and that's how you give yourself a hug in any situation that you're coming out of, whether it's abuse financially, abuse um, physically, emotionally, if, if you're um, whatever your issue, give yourself a hug and, and it will get you through. Well, and, and unfortunately, with the social distancing and isolation and stuff, we're not getting the hugs that we really need. So everybody right now, just put your arms around your shoulders and give yourself a great big hug. Um, I say all the time, with your, with your right hand, give to yourself first, because we, we have to give from our overflow. And, and that feeling comes from, a, from a, a happy space. You know, I talk about happiness being um, an, an internal thing. Happiness is an inside job. So with your right hand, give, give, yourself, give to yourself and put it on your left shoulder. And with your left hand, give to other people and put them on your right shoulder and squeeze. And you're giving yourself and the world a hug. That's so generous and so sweet. <laughs> and it makes everybody happy. I mean, I bet everybody that's listening to the show right now, as they're doing that, there's a big smile on their face because – Hugs are so important. They're just yes. We need so touch. We need touch. We actually, um, it's scientifically um, proven that the the human body needs touch. You look at um, my oldest son. I didn't birth my oldest son. He, um, I met him when he was two. He was my my husband's son, and I I sometimes say I married him, but he was born um, less than two pounds. He was very premature and in the hospital for almost 40 days and always smaller than everyone else. And when I met him, I remember how I, I bought him a, um, a blanket and it had that satin around the rim. You've seen those little mm-hmm. baby blankets. And he was always happier when he rubbed that satin on his face to go to sleep at night. And so I would find myself stroking his head. And when I met him, he was, he was in a... Um, he was in a school for children who had developmental issues, but, but I didn't see that. It was just what he was being told. And I came into his life, and I started telling him something different. And he started to grow, and he went on to do great things. He's serving our country now. He went to college. He's doing great things. And I really believe that when we stroke each other in a kind way, when we – when we give each other stories that support us, it changes us. And I, I'm thinking about all the things I heard that were negative. 
I started to believe it. I absolutely, you wouldn't know it today because I am the vainest woman you ever met, but I absolutely thought I was the ugliest thing on earth. And I believed it on a daily basis. I'm too old. I'm too dark. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. And I really thought I was dumb because that's what I was told over and over and over again. And the whole concept of hugs is giving yourself permission to tell a new story. That's all it is is a story, and you can tell a new story. And, and I heard you talk once, too, about how thoughts, how did you put it, thoughts turn into action over time. Um, and it was a whole energy thing. It's the energy of a thought. Uh, and I think before we started the show, too, I, I had gone on to YouTube and I watched your uh, your discussion about the law of perpetual transmutation of energy. And I laughed and you <laughs> said, what's, what's so funny about that? I'm like, that's a lot of words. But in essence, talk, tell everybody what the law of perpetual mutation of energy is, because it really is very sound. Well, everybody... Um has the power to change their lives, basically, is what it talks about. You can change the conditions of your life because everything we're experiencing is is energy. It's it's what we decide to consume. It's it's the ability to transform those low, dark energies into, into higher ones by just doing something as simple as giving yourself a hug. And... Everybody has that power. That's a, that's a universal law that nothing stays the same. The way that I explain it today, I, I, I don't remember the video, but the way that I explain it today is there are, if you imagine mountains, like three mountains stacked against the stack, uh, standing next to each other, between those mountains are valleys, right? And we all have mountaintop experiences and we have valley moments. And if you're, if you're in a valley moment, whether it's because you're, you're um, experiencing abuse or whatever it is, there are people that you meet down there. And some of them have become comfortable down there, and you're trying to get up. Well, nothing stays the same. You, you might be in a valley moment, but the mountain is up there. You just got to climb a little. And you're going to have your mountaintop experience. And you make your decisions from the mountaintop because you can. You should see my hands. I'm, I'm waving like you can see me. You make your decisions from the mountaintop because you can see all around you. The relationships you make on the mountaintop are those same relationships that will pull you up when you fall back down because we all go through this, this ebb and flow of life. It is, it's very simple. Energy moves in and it moves out. So if you're experiencing a mountaintop moment, enjoy it. The valley is coming. And if you experience a valley moment, don't, don't die in that winter because the mountain is coming. And it, 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 the energy is perpetual. It's always transmuting. We don't have to accept where, where we are right now. Things are always moving. And we can affect change. But the valley moments sometimes are the nicest because you can look up at the mountains, you know? It depends on where where your perspective is. My valley moments were sometimes hiding. It was um, nobody can see me because I'm I'm, I'm stuck between these two mountains. And sometimes it was looking up, wishing I could get up there. It's all a matter of thought, and it's where you're putting Mm -hmm. yourself. And, and it's really, it's, it's, we've all been in those deep, dark valleys, but there is always a little bit of light somewhere if you will change your perception. And that's what I had said at the very beginning is, you know, it's important the way we change our perception about our circumstances. And you and I have talked about, you know, being a victim or, and not wanting to be a victim. Um, I'm, like you, very positive about whatever has happened to us, like you said, happens for us or happens to us which could be for us, um, and, and it's not, I don't know. I've always felt like there's a reason for something happening, and it might not be good at the time, but it puts us in a position where we're there to help somebody out later on. And right, because how can you help somebody through something you've never been through? Because you come across hypocritical if you try. Exactly. 
Exactly. Can you imagine um, helping someone through a, a dis-ease in their body or or you've never been, you've never had children and you're trying to tell me how to raise mine. Like, you know, how can you do that? I, I, that's how I would, I would um, receive that. Like, you really don't know what you're talking about. But um, going through things helps us understand how to help other people through. I often say that um, I went through this really dark tunnel, but I left little breadcrumbs, <laughs> um, hoping to pull other, other women through to the other side, and we, we, we hear people talk about, I, I had friends that call me and say, I'm, I'm going through hell, and I'll say, well, I, I can help you when you get to the other side. I'll pull, but I can't come in there with you. I can't come in there with you, but I will be here when you get to the other side, and through says that you went in and you came out, and we all have that ability to transmute that energy. And it's happening all the time. I study the um, the universal laws, and the laws of perpetual transmutation of energy is one of them. And it is a mouthful. I think you were trying to go somewhere that I I um, I drifted away from that I I'd like you to go back to because I had something to say. Go ahead and say it, my dear. What What were you? There was a question you were about to ask me. There was a word that that you used that um ignited something. Can you ask me that again? You know what? I My brain is in a thousand different directions <laughs> right now. I'm not quite sure what words you were going after. It's okay. It was something you um, that you heard on my um, on my YouTube page that I wanted to share. It'll oh, come I back. Got, I got two pages of notes here from that YouTube <laughs> page. So like I said, everybody go back. to it. Um, because we had talked about, you know, the fertilizer and, and then, you know, being your, I love this one, your spa day for the soul, you know. Oh, and, yeah. And, and that's great because in, in the whole, that was your manifestation conference or manifest conference that you're at. But I like how you, when you said that, you know, you can be broken, broken, but by being hit, you get, you're broken open. And Absolutely. to break open, what is breaking mm-hmm. open open up for you or what did it well um there i i write um poetry i if you want to call it poetry i just kind of let my thoughts go i call it automatic writing it just comes through me and uh in in my process of of being broken down because i i I really was I, i felt like i was on this pedestal because with my mask, I appeared to be um, Claire Huxtable from the Cosby Show, right? We, we had that kind of perception in the world. We, we were affluent and um, living overseas, bouncing back and forth from place to place. We even built a house in Germany. You know, we were doing things that, that our peers weren't doing. And, and when everything was taken away, it really felt like I had been broken down to nothing. But instead of being broken down, I realized now that I was broken open because my light didn't actually shine. I was always dimming myself in order to be in the space I was in. You know, I, I dimmed myself to be a part of a certain church organization. I dimmed myself to be a part of the family I was in because there could be only one bright spot in, in my family. And if we take a moment to look, to in, instead of feeling broken down, if we look for the breakthroughs in the brokenness, we can see the light start to come through. And that's how a seed grows, right? It breaks open. And then the sunlight comes through and it starts to grow. Everything is a picture for me. Everything is a picture. Well, and I honor, I honor you for that and for the light that you bring as you, and, and you say it yourself as you, as you walk into a room, you're changing the colors. And, and we all have that ability to change the color of our life. And Absolutely. it's exciting. And, and uh, we could talk for a long time. The hour is going by really quickly. Now, I, as we were talking about um, the laws of perpetual transmutation, I, 
I told you I bring in Dr. Tim McGinnis. Tim is an anthropologist by by trade, I guess, occupation. Um, but Tim is also the founder of SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. And Tim, I want to bring you into this conversation if you're there. Let me see if I can unmute Tim. Tim, are you Dr. Tim? Are you there? Hear me. I can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Bert, Welcome. Bert, Good morning. Debbie. Come in, Debbie. <laughs> I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Perfect. Dr. Tim, Simone Rivers. Good morning. Hello, Pleasure to meet you. Was listening with great, with great attention to your story and being someone who's also been divorced, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation when um, you are married and the other person is the dominant personality in the sense that they control the relationship, the marriage, who the friends are, everything about it. And that's not to say that you're passive or I was passive or anybody's passive. It just tends to naturally be that way. But what brought to mind your story for me and how this relates to experiences that Debbie has had and how we support literally millions of scam victims is there's a kind of manipulative technique that's known as gaslighting. Are you familiar with the term? I am. <laughs> I am. So the reality is that certainly every relationship scam victim is the victim of gaslighting, and that's a commonality. And frankly, gaslighting is around us every second of every day. Our news media gaslights us. Politicians gaslight us. Culture gaslights us. Mm -hmm. It tells us who we are and defines us and puts us in a box and says, mm -hmm. you are this and you're not good enough to be something else. And for communities around the world, um, you know, when we look at places like China, for example, which I'm intimately familiar with, having been traveling back and forth for, for years and done business there, and our organization even has a sister organization that I created a couple of years back inside of China. We're actually even prevented inside of China from using the word gaslighted as a part of our support methodologies there because it is so true in that environment. But gaslighting is, of course, the profound manipulation of someone to change their perception of who they are and what their reality is. And over time, mm -hmm. it affects people substantially, not only in what they believe to be possible, but what they believe to be themselves. And you're right. It takes a long period of time to overcome that. You have to reprogram yourself, discovering who you were before that experience looking at the experience itself through a new lens and transforming your perception of self in the process. But those scars will remain. And the interesting thing about the use of the word scars or the use of the word scab is that manipulation of this type is a weapon and it creates wounds. You can't have a scar unless you've been wounded. And you can't be wounded unless someone is manipulating a weapon. So it's important to keep these concepts in mind. And while I will agree to disagree with you on being able to help people without being in their shoes, one of the things that we all can do straight out of Buddhism is we can empathize with people without knowing their exact situation. So regardless of, of what the situation is, we can understand the foundations, whether it's a manipulation or it's a physical abuse or something of this nature, and be ready to support and listen to them, whether we've experienced it or not. And that's what we do. We support about 5 million scam victims who've been through varying degrees of gaslighting and other manipulative forms and psychological abuse. 
and it is profound in our society. Um, you know, another word for a malignant narcissist is a psychopath or a sociopath. And in the end, you're absolutely right. It's all about control. It's not about sharing on any profound level an emotional experience because by and large, they only have two emotional states. And we joke about this in our organization um, because it was something that came out in the TV series, The Good Place. But sociopaths only have two emotions, anger and confusion. Everything else is neutral. And those are the only two emotions they're capable of expressing, but they're great mimics. So the reality is anybody who has been manipulated, who has been gaslighted, who has shared any of these kinds of experiences, remember that there's no shame in seeking support, in seeking assistance. And the kind of people that you actually want to talk to are certified trauma counselors or trauma therapists because your average analyst, your average therapist, if they're not certified and trained in trauma, they're really not going to understand. And they re-traumatize you. Because trauma is the foundation of all of these experiences. That's true, Simone. Say that again. They re-traumatize you by forcing you to tell your story again. I, I had to go through several different therapists to find the one because I was diagnosed with PTSD. I couldn't, talking to some of the people um, was more damaging than it was helpful. Yeah, right. you, you, have to work, you have to work up to that point. It, it's not something where you can just say, I'm going to open up and everything's going to be roses and unicorns after that. Mm -hmm. When you are profoundly traumatized, PTSD is another word for it, this is recorded deep in the amygdala in your brain and the cerebellum. And the result is that you have to work through these. In a manner of speaking, it's like phobias. You have to gradually dehabituate yourself to that phobia. Now, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not practicing medicine without a license. I look at these through an anthropological point of view. But mm -hmm. the underlying issues are the same. And you're right. You have to find the right medical professional, mental health professional to help you who understands these issues because your rank and file guy or woman who just sits there by the hour and tell me your story, they don't understand the deep psychological damage that has been done. You've got to find the right people. Well, and to I, go back, I agree with. I'm sorry, just really quick though, to go back to where we had talked about, um, you know, somebody not understanding because they haven't been through it, but what going through it, something like divorce or, a, you know, a scam or whatever, we definitely have the compassion for people, and in their eyes, we have credibility because we've been there. Like when I talk to a scam victim, um, I feel it because I've been there and but, it does Debbie, be it's because you have been through it and healed that it allows you to do that Absolutely. one of the things that that's really important is that not all victims are healed and are as a result safe so people that are in that healing process not all of them are are adjusting well right. and many of them can be equally harmful while they're in need of help. They're not able to help others. And they, in fact, can cause more trauma because they may be manifesting their own problems while they're healing. So it's really important to understand that just because you've been through something doesn't mean you said this, Simone, correctly. I can't help you while you're in hell. And a person who is in hell can't help someone else until they get to the ninth layer and have climbed out of hell into heaven. You can't help somebody while you're in hell yourself. And far too many damaged people don't realize that. We see victims every single day who are in the early stages that say, I just want to help people. Well, we can't let you do that 
until you're on the other side. Because a drowning person will drown a lifesaver as well. Absolutely You true. have to be in a safe place before you can help and really understand other people too. And absolutely. you are, Debbie. And it sounds like you absolutely are as well, Simone. And I congratulate I, you on that. I agree with, with what you have said. Um, I was saying earlier that I that I I study the laws of the universe, the twelve universal laws, and one of them is the law of divine oneness. And that we are absolutely all connected, whether we want to believe it or not. Um, what we think, what we say, what we do, what we believe will have a a corresponding effect on what other people um, think and say and do and believe to some degree. And something you said, um, for some reason that word gaslighting triggers me. (laughs) It triggers me when 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 I heard the definition of it because I experienced it for most of my life. I, when I was trying to figure out who I was and I thought I'd figured it out, not quite out of hell yet, and then I'd hear certain things and I'd go, well, maybe I'm not. It made me question everything about myself, basically. Question, yes, am I even a woman? A good <laughs> am I even a woman? You know, <laughs> it, was, it was so interesting because I, I actually questioned every memory. Did, did I really get an MBA? I, I remember asking myself that. If I'm dumb, how did I get an MBA? Maybe I don't have one. Did I make that up? And that was the degree at which that person had gotten into my mind and made me question everything about myself. They could actually say something that I knew I'd done and tell me I hadn't done it, and I'd believe it. Well, I must not have. Or why did you hit me? Because I didn't do it. Um, something else you said, Dr. Tim, was um, – there were only two emotions, and that was anger and confusion. And I remember seeing that early on going, all the kids ever see you do is scream. Can you please show love? They never see that. And it would, it would, be, it would be him hurting me, and my children would see it, and we would spend maybe three days in counseling. And I would say to the counselor, I just want my kids to see him love me because I don't want them to grow up that way. But his remorse, if you will, was always in the dark. No one ever saw that. But they always saw the anger, which would cause confusion for me because, you know, yesterday you told me you loved me, remember? But nobody heard that but me. My kids didn't hear that. The world didn't hear that. And I, I appreciate but you, see, that, you bringing that That's just another part of manipulation. Time. You guys, this conversation can go on for hours, and it's just it's very enlightening. It's very encouraging, and, and, I, and it's very, I don't know, it's, it's warming my heart. And I thank you both for contributing to, contributing to today's show. Simone, um, before we go, I want to give people an opportunity to get a hold of you if they can. Can you tell them how they can do that? Oh, certainly. You can just send me a hug. <laughs> my, um, my email address is hugs spelled with two G's, H-U-G-G-S, at csimonerivers.com. Okay. And folks, do that. Um, She's just a wonderful woman and has a lot of light to shine. And it's triggering light. If you go onto YouTube, you can just put in her name and she'll just pop right up. And I love it. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Simone. Again, Sisters by Other Misters. And and I, I look forward to doing more with you in the future. And Dr. Tim, thank you so much again for your input and for the work you do with SCARS. We're going to close down this show. I can't believe how quickly today's gone. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you know anyone or if you yourself have been a victim to fraud or scam, report it to anyscam.com or ic3.gov, which is the FBI site, and remember to join my Facebook, my Facebook group, Stand Up and Speak Up, for special information and replays of this show. Please share with your friends. This is important information. Join us each Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Stand Up and Speak Up. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you know anyone struggling with the pins and needles or numbness, 
in their extremities, check out our pot, our products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount. Again, thanks everybody for being here with Stand Up and Speak Up. It's been a wonderful conversation with C. Simone Rivers, and I appreciate you, my dear, and I wish you all hugs and happiness today. Thanks so much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye now. Okay. Hey, Simone, are you still there? Unlocked. Hang on. I'm sorry, everybody. I wasn't able to today. If you're on, I see uh, Charla. Welcome from Fort Worth. Hey, Charla. Hey, listen, I can't tell you how similar stories are, right? And we all live the same thing in a way. <laughs> Just, yeah, what a great call. Well, thanks for being with us. Are you staying uh, safe in Fort Worth? I guess you're a little bit further inland. Yeah, see, I think it's going to skirt to the east quite a bit from us. We'll probably get some rain, which would be probably a good thing. Hard to swim in. De- uh, Simone, Debbie came to my house and with her grandkids and my grandkids and got to meet in person. It was so cool. Oh, awesome! <laughs> which was fun. We'll get we'll get back to those in person conferences yeah. where we can give in personal or in person hugs. But Simone, Please thank you so much. The extreme extrovert. <laughs> I need it. I need well, it. I need it. Yeah, absolutely. And well, we can too, we can do it know, virtually. Our hug thing is our hug thing is so similar in our in our religious background. We talked about that before, but I mean, hugs mm-hmm. is my name of my book, right? So it's just kind of we're all in this thing, not simplicity of stuff. If Dr. Tim is still on the line, I just want to say thank you for. Um, for validating me. I don't no one has ever said that those are the only two emotions they can experience, but I swear I wrote that in my journal so many times that I was you know, he was oh my goodness. Um there's this wonderful T V series which